0: Good morning. I'm not Pastor Brian. In case anybody was wondering. I'm just kidding. Uh, Pastor Brian is leaving today with a group headed to Israel. And so I get to be with you for the next several weeks uh, if it goes well today. Um, so just hold on. Uh, and that'll be good. Uh, as we continue our series in Jonah. If you have a Bible, turn to Jonah chapter 2. If not, there's a Bible in front of you. Grab one of those. Jonah chapter. Too. So, uh, the story of Jonah is a familiar one to many of us, and uh, it's one that, um, you know, as Pastor Brian was talking about last week, that has this affinity uh, within like nurseries and preschools and things like that, but it's one that's not uh, really uh, the, the best maybe kids um, kid's story, it just has a big fish in it, and that's cool, right? And so, you know, that's what we're looking at, but uh, in looking at this, uh, we, we were picking up in chapter two, and so chapter two, uh, where we find things is we find Jonah in a fish, and so let's read chapter two, starting in verse one, if you'll stand with me as we read this together. Um. Want to, uh, to, to read this, uh, at the end of our reading, we'll say the phrase, the very words together uh, as we uh, just distinguish God's word from my own today. It says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I will look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought me up from my life. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. Those are the very words, Yes. The Lord spoke to the fish and Jonah was vomited up onto the dry land. You're not going to say the word, very words too many times in that. And, and what's you know, really interesting about this chapter in the book of Jonah is it starts and ends in a really unique way. So if you go back to Jonah chapter one, verse 17, it said, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights then verse 10, at the end of this chapter, what we just talked about and just read, it said, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. So it begins and ends with a fish. And the challenge is, is that for so many, the fish becomes the main point of this chapter or even the, the story. You know, people have questions about the fish. They have tensions created from the fish being a part of this story. You know, what kind of fish was it? Was it a fish or was it a whale? How could Jonah have survived inside the belly of a fish? What was it like inside the belly of the fish, right? For me growing up as a church kid, I always imagined it like Pinocchio, right? Do you guys remember this from uh, Pinocchio? Can that picture up there, right? So like, you know, you see the inside of the fish, you know, Jonah, does he have like a bed? Like, you know, like what, what's kind of going on, right? I mean, so, you know, get caught up in how does he survive? What is it like in there? How, what does it smell like in there? You know, like, uh, you know, kind of what's, what, what's happening, what's going on, Right. And that leads people to really question, you know, hey, is this a true story or is it simply a fable? Is it an allegory? Is it something that's really just a good fictional story that we can learn from? And as Pastor Brian said last week, I agree that I believe this is a historical account of a man named Jonah. But see, while the fish is important to the story, it's not the most important thing. So we can focus so much on that, we can actually miss the bigger point of what God is wanted to teach us in this story. And here's my question as we begin. Have you ever missed what was most important because all your focus was on something else? Right? Have you ever missed what was most important because all your focus was on something else? I thought about this story back when uh, my wife and I, well, I'll say back when I was younger, and my wife was younger too, uh, but back when we were cooler, uh, we, do we would scuba dive. Uh, and then we had kids and we just haven't been back. Right. So we got certified on a family trip with her family on a beach in Cozumel, Mexico to learn how to scuba dive. So everybody that sat in a classroom or a boardroom and did all that work, we did it under a cabana in the sand, right? Then there's no better place to learn how to scuba dive. So we, we dove a couple different times and then went back for our honeymoon and, and we went back on our honeymoon. We were going to scuba dive, right? And And so somebody uh, loaned me and loaned us an underwater camera to capture the memories, right? Now, this was 1999. So before you start thinking, you know, National Geographic, Jacques Cousteau, you know, level camera, we're talking about you put like a disposable camera in there and you winded it up and you took pictures. So you guys are like, what are you talking about winding it up, right? It was like that bang, right? So we go for our first dive. I'm super excited because I've got an underwater camera. So we go under, we, we descend down, and we start swimming. I start looking through the camera and taking the pictures, and I press the button so it's supposed to click, and it doesn't click. So I kind of shake the camera, I mess with it, you're looking around, oh, there's a cool fish, nothing's working, right? And so I keep messing with the camera, and I'm messing with the camera, and it was drift diving, so you would kind of go down in one spot, the current would take you, so I'm just drifting along with everybody else in our group, but I'm just looking at the camera, trying to figure out why the camera's not working. And I spent probably about 10 minutes looking at the camera, taking a picture. And it wasn't one of those cameras where you take the picture and you can see if it worked, right? You have to wait like two weeks. So you're, you're kind of guessing at that point. So I'm clicking the camera. I'm messing with it. It's not working. It's getting stuck. You know, I'm getting frustrated and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then finally, somebody tugs on my fin. And I look back and it's my wife, Kristen. And in only the way that a wife can, with a regulator of oxygen in her mouth, no ability to talk, she basically told me, get your head out of the camera, you're missing it. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Right? And we came up from the dive, and she was like, what were you doing? I was like, I was trying to get the camera to work. She was, yeah, but you were so focused on the camera, you actually missed the experience. Right? It's so easy to become focused on the wrong thing, even though it may be an important part of the bigger picture, that we miss the full picture of what God wants us to do or what we're, we're experiencing here. And I think we can, we can fall into the risk of doing that here when it comes to the fish. Is the fish, the whale, whatever you want to call it, is it important? It, it is important, but it's not the most important part of the story. As Pastor Brian said last week, that the major theme and the most important part of the the story of Jonah is the mercy and the grace of God. The the book shows us the mystery of God's mercy and his grace, but it also shows us and reveals the tendency of the human heart to want to apply this mercy and grace in utterly human ways, the ways that we want to, and not the ways that God would maybe have us apply it. You see God's main purpose for Jonah in all of this I believe was that Jonah would come to a greater knowledge of God's mercy and grace. God's God's heart for the Ninevites was that they would repent coming to know the mercy and the grace of God. And I believe God's heart for us and his purpose for this being in scripture is for us to come to a deeper knowledge of God's mercy and his grace. It's not about the fish. It's not about Jonah. It's ultimately about God. And so as we look today, I want to just kind of continue to walk through, through this chapter. And What I want to do in the time that we have this morning is um, I want to share with you just six observations. Six observations that we see from this chapter about the mercy and the grace of God. Now, this chapter it contains the the prayer or a kind of a psalm of Jonah. So, if you read this and you're like, "Hey, that's pretty similar to what I see David writing in the in the book of Psalms," it is. It's very similar to that, and it's 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 Jonah's response to God, his recollection to God of what God has done in saving him from the depths of the water, but also his response to God in this and this time. And in it, I believe there are six things we can learn from. this this chapter about God's mercy and grace. First one is this, is that God's mercy and grace finds us in our most desperate moments. God's mercy and grace finds you and he finds me, he finds us in our most desperate moments. See, God's mercy and grace are available to us all the time as his people, but they're especially available to us in our hardest and most desperate moments. Look back at the setting again of where this happens in Jonah two, verse one, it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord from his God from the belly of the fish, right? It's not probably where Jonah had had wanted to be at the the beginning of this day, but it was actually better than where he was. Jonah found himself in a desperate situation where he was thrown into the sea and he was literally drowning. His life was being taken from him until God used a fish to bring deliverance. Now, it's important to remember why Jonah was there. Jonah was there because he was running in disobedience to God. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh and proclaim my, my message of, of grace and mercy and call to repent. And He said, I don't want to go. So instead of going to Nineveh, he got on a boat the opposite direction and went to, toward a place called Tarshish. And, and God sent a storm up on the water come to find out that the storm was was there because Jonah was part of, of, the, of the, the ship, right? God was trying to get his attention in this moment. Jonah ends up saying, hey, throw me over to save the lives of everyone else because God is, is really sending this to punish me because I've been fleeing from him. And then Jonah finds himself in the ocean, just dropping to the bottom, right? Unable to survive. See, sometimes our most desperate and darkest moments are the results of our own sin. Consequences that we are experiencing because of decisions that we have made in our life. But sometimes our most desperate and darkest moments in life aren't the result of our sin. They might be the result of somebody else's sin. Or maybe in some ways, they're honestly just part of what we experience in a broken and sinful world. But God's grace and mercy finds us in these Moments. We see this all throughout the book of Psalms. Psalm 23, four, one of the most familiar Psalm passages that we have in scripture says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. God's grace and mercy finds us in our most desperate and needy moments. No matter what we're going through, you are never out of, we are never out of the reach of God's mercy and grace no matter how lonely we feel, no matter how far from God we feel at that moment as his people, as his children, you and I are never out of the reach of God's mercy and grace. And we see Jonah in this moment turn to the Lord and he found mercy and grace. Here's a second observation. God hears our prayers and responds out of his mercy and grace. God hears our prayers and responds out of his mercy and grace. Look at verse two of chapter two. Jonah says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice. If you go down to Jonah chapter two, verse seven, again, he says, this is when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you and your holy temple. Jonah found himself in, 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 in really just the, the the depths, right? He describes it as, as being in Sheol, the place of death, the place of, of, of judgment, right? He's like, basically, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just drowning literally here. My life is being taken from me. He says, my life was fainting away. And at that moment, all he had to do and all he could do was call out to the Lord. And we see that God heard him and God responded. And we see this again constantly throughout scripture that when God's people pray, when God's people call out, when God's people cry out to him, he hears us and he responds in a way that is for his glory and for our good. Psalm 34, 17 reminds us of this as well. It says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. God hears the prayers of his people. I think one of the most frustrating things when we're going through difficult times, whatever that might be for you, whatever that might be for me, is is feeling like in those moments, our prayers don't, don't go any further than the ceiling. But in those moments, we have to cling to and we can cling to the promise that in those moments, as God's people, God hears our prayers and God is at work, even maybe in ways that we can't see or we can't fully understand. Third observation, God's mercy and grace remind us that he is sovereign over everything in every situation. That God's mercy and grace remind us that he is sovereign over everything in every situation. Look at Jonah chapter two, verse three. Jonah declares his understanding that all of this is the work of God. Here's what he says. He says, for you, talking to God, cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. He says, God, you are the one that cast me into the deep. Your waves, your billows passed over me. God sees, or Jonah sees God's sovereignty and and his control in in everything he's going through. It was God that, that led him to be tossed into the sea and it was God who sent the fish to deliver him. God's mercy and his grace to us in times where life seems out of control is knowing that God is always in control. That God is always at work. Now it creates a tension because there are times in our life where we experience things, we face things that are difficult, that are challenging. But in those moments, it's important for us to remember that no matter what we are going through, God is at work. Does God allow difficulty? Yes. Does God allow the consequences of sin? Yes. But even in these, God is sovereign. He's at work and all his promises are true. You know, when we find those those moments where we, we don't know or we don't understand, a practice that has helped me is when I, when I don't know, I have to go back to what I do know. When, when I have unanswered questions, when I have unanswered motives, or I'm trying to figure out why things are happening the way that they are, all I can do in those moments is go back to what I can know and I can be certain of. And we can be certain that God's grace and mercy remind us that he's sovereign over everything in every situation. Not only is he sovereign over those things, but, but he has promised to us as people that he is at work in those things, ultimately for our good. Romans eight twenty eight tells us this. And we know that for those whom love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. To God was at work. Even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, even in the midst of Jonah's difficulty, God was at work extending his grace and his mercy. How? Through the form of a fish. God used the fish as the way to deliver Jonah from this moment. See, Jonah probably didn't, maybe at first, or maybe we didn't think that a fish would be a blessing from God, but it was. the challenge, the difficulty is, is that when we face these times, we need to turn to God and remember that he is in control and he is at work for our good and for his glory. Fourth observation is this, God's mercy and grace give us hope in seemingly hopeless times. God's mercy and grace give us hope in seemingly hopeless times. I can't imagine a more desperate situation than Jonah was facing. He was underwater. He was having his life taken from him. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't swim. The storm was engulfing him. He was literally sinking to his death. But in that moment, we see that hope becomes a reality again. Look at Jonah verse two or chapter two, verse four. It says, then I said, I am driven away from your sight yet, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. Well, what is Jonah saying? He's clinging to hope. He's saying, everything looks bleak. Everything looks dark. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm pushed away from you yet. Yet I will look upon your holy temple again. He's saying, listen, God is not done in this moment. And he clings to hope. And what was the hope he cling, was clinging to? It was the mercy and the grace that he knew of God. It may not seem like a lot, but, but hope comes to him. And hope comes to us in our desperate and difficult situations. And see, hope brings Jonah this peace. In that moment, perhaps. It's what hope does for me. Is that hope brings peace, understanding that God is in control, that God is at work, and the situation hasn't changed. But but he begins to he begins to look up at who God is. The psalmist in Psalm 42, 5 through 6 tells us this says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. It says, Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation. And my God, see, we can have hope in our seemingly hopeless situations because God is faithful. We can have hope because God is sovereign. We can have hope because God promises that he is at work for our good. We can have hope because God does the impossible. We can have hope because God is full of mercy and grace. And that hope, the writer of Hebrews tells us is like an anchor in times of turmoil and strife. Hebrews 6, 18 to 20 says this, so that by two unchangeable things, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hopes that before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Says so we have this hope, what? The hope of God, the promise of God that God is at work, that God has promised us as his people that he will bring us deliverance from what we're going through in this life or the next, right? We have hope in this moment and we have hope in his character. And that that hope's like an anchor. It's like an anchor when the wind and the waves and life's difficulty wants to blow us from, from thing to thing and, and from situation to situation, we can have hope in that. Fifth observation, God's mercy and grace provide rescue, sometimes in the most unexpected ways. You know, it's interesting as you read this, the progression of of this prayer, you you literally see Jonah descending. He starts at the top of the water and then he kind of continues to go down until all of a sudden it says that he was, you know, kind of wrapped up at the root of the mountain. He was going down, 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 literally under the water. But when he could sink no lower, God intervenes and God raises him up and rescues him. Look at verse five through seven. It says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, see that word again, yet you brought me, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. There's a turning point in this prayer where he goes from descending to God, raising him up. And he says, yet you, or maybe other translations, some say this, but God. Have you ever had one of those but God moments, right? Life was headed a certain direction. Things were were moving a certain way, but God intervened. We were headed down a, a path. We, I, was, I was running away from God. And then all of a sudden, you know, but, but God stepped into my life. See, those but God moments are God's ways of rescuing us. And it's, sometimes it's done in the most unexpected ways. You know, he, God used a fish. It wasn't a random occurrence. It wasn't just a fluke that the fish swallowed Jonah. Look at, go back to one chapter one, verse 17. It says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. The fish was God's vehicle for deliverance. If you go to 210 again, it says the Lord spoke to the fish. God was all in control of the fish. And Jonah recognizes God's mercy and grace in the situation he was in. And how God used the fish. Sometimes God uses other people to be the extension of his grace and mercy. Sometimes God uses different situations or circumstances to be the extension and the means of his grace and mercy. Sometimes God does things with divine intervention where he miraculously works in ways that we can't explain as the way of giving us and showing us his grace and his mercy. But the greatest example of God's mercy and grace comes in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the greatest example of, but God of the mercy and the grace of God, because our greatest need is, you know, our greatest need is to be rescued from our sin the sin that separates us from God, the sin that has put distance and put enmity between us and God. We need a rescuer to come to us and provide a way, provide salvation for that, to bring us that rescue. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate rescue. Look at John three sixteen and 17 it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God sent Jesus to be our rescue from the one thing that we ultimately all need to be rescued from. Again, when we talk about God delivering us, it creates a little bit of tension because maybe you're in a situation now where you've prayed, you've cried out to God, you lean on his grace and mercy, but the circumstances around you just haven't gone away like that. The sickness is still there. The grief is still still there. The financial difficulty is still there. The relational challenges, they're, they're, they're still there. And so you hear a message like this that says God hears, he responds, God, God is delivering, he's, he's doing this. And you're asking the question, okay, well, why not for me? I think it's important to realize and remember that Jonah's praying this prayer in the belly of a fish. Meaning it's possible to praise and recognize the mercy and grace of God while we're still going through the situation. Jonah's not fully done. Yes, God delivered him from drowning, but now he's literally inside of a fish. And ultimately, God delivers him by the fish vomiting him up up on the land. God's deliverance isn't always neat, clean and tidy in our life. And sometimes God delivers us from things, but often God is delivering us and he's working for us, giving us grace and mercy in the midst of the things we're going through. But at the end of the day, the greatest promise we have of deliverance isn't just on this earth. It is more so in eternity found only through Jesus Christ. Last observation I want to share with you this morning is experiencing God's mercy and grace leads us to praise. This is where Jonah ends his prayer and his psalm to God. It says, those who pay regard, verse eight, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay for salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah ultimately gives thanks to God for the mercy and grace he's experiencing. Now, again, he's still in the middle of the situation. He's still in the belly of the fish, but he sees God at work. He understands God's grace and mercy are being extended to him. And ultimately he praises God. And then we see that God ultimately delivers him from the fish onto dry land. See God's mercy and grace, give Jonah a second chance. As we continue the story, we're going to see that that Jonah, though he experiences God's grace and mercy in a profound way, still struggles to fully understand God's grace and mercy, not just for him, but for others. But we're reminded in this chapter that there's nothing like the mercy and the grace of God. Tim Keller in his book, Prodigal Prophet says this, whatever your problem, God solves it with his grace. That whatever our problem is, God solves it with his grace. And while these are specific examples of how God showed his grace and mercy to Jonah in the midst of this situation, I believe they would point to the bigger promises of God's word of how God extends his grace and mercy to us as well. See, the most important thing that we need for life is the mercy and the grace of God. Ultimately, the mercy and grace of God through Jesus. We need it for salvation, for there's no other way we can be saved from our sins. We need it for our most difficult and desperate times because we can't save ourselves. We can't change everything. We often find ourselves overwhelmed, struggling and walking through trials and challenges. And at those moments, we need the mercy and grace of God. But ultimately we need God's mercy and grace every day as we live for God, learning to hear and obey and follow him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, nine, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace and his mercy is sufficient for us. So here's the question I have for you or some questions I have for you today as we look to not only hear the word, but to apply it to our life, to obey it, to respond to it. How well do you understand God's mercy and grace in your life? How well are you understanding God's mercy and grace uh, in your life? Have you experienced the mercy and grace of God through Jesus Christ for salvation? If not, your biggest need to be rescued is not from whatever challenge you're facing, whatever relational issue you're going through, whatever health thing you're going through. If you've not experienced the salvation and the rescue of God's mercy and grace through Jesus Christ, that is ultimately your greatest need at this moment. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raises him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's the mercy and grace of God. The last question is this, is where or how do you need to experience the mercy and grace of God today? You know, it's easy to find if you just look around So many different ways that we need God's grace and mercy in our lives. Some of you are going through some really, really challenging and trying times. You feel overwhelmed. It may may seem hopeless. There's not an easy fix or an easy answer how are you turning to God today? Are you turning to God today? Are you crying out as Jonah did, asking for his grace and mercy to be evident and real in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your word. So grateful that you work in really mysterious ways and that you can use a fish to deliver Jonah. But ultimately it's not about the fish or Jonah. God, it's about you. So Father, as we just respond in this time, as we continue to worship you with a, a final song, as we uh, just come and pray with, with others, God, we, we do so, God, believing that the most important thing we need is your mercy and grace. And it's available to us. It's available because of Jesus. So, God, no matter what we're going through today, no matter what we're facing today, no matter what lies before us this next week, God, we, we ask for your mercy and your grace to be upon us, God. And, God, that you would, would, would do what only you can do through your mercy and grace for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.